become a patron of Entertainment Landfill. Go to patreon.com slash landfill for details. Entertainment Landfill is made possible by contributions from listeners like you. Thank you. this thing on hello tap tap what are you doing monkey i gotta go do a shampoo silky dirt dude Bloods and sluts, stoners, weirdos, and weebies. It's time for entertainment landfill news with your hosts, the Jay Strom and PZZ Steven, and special guest Adam Sexton. earlier I hope you were paying attention boom hello everyone Woo! Oh. <laughs> oh, wait for the applause today, hello everyone the audience is great. Yeah, they're crazy <laughs> hello everyone welcome to ETL news I am your host the Jstrom welcome to the show I'm not here doing a solo show. Wouldn't that be sad if I was doing a solo show, Stephen? You've done it before. It's not sad. <laughs> well, it, I'm happy because you're here, Stephen, the pop culture hey, zealot. what's happening? How's it going, Stephen? Fantastic. How, you, how are you doing today? I'm good. We also have a special guest, as TRS-80 once said. She said Adam Saxton would be on the show. Let's see if he's here. Hello, Adam. Are you there? Adam Saxton. Hello, hello. Adam, hey, hey, what's up? How are you guys? Hey, Adam, how? Tuned him in. Welcome to the show, Adam. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you for having me. This is a very serious program. I hope you're ready. I'm probably not, but let's do it anyway. <laughs> All right. How, what have you been up to, Adam? What's up? Oh, just very busy, busy, uh, not a whole lot of room for anything else other than the podcasts I listen to and work and sleep and allergies and more work and more sleep. Oh yeah. Allergies. <laughs> do you, do you take some Allegra or Zyrtec or what do you take for allergies? Um, sometimes, uh, sometimes, uh, Claritin. Mm -hmm. uh, just depending on whatever I have, whatever my budget will allow for. Since Allegra, while it works perfectly, it's it's not always the cheapest thing to get. Yeah. And uh, what I've apparently, I I, ne I seem to have a never-ending supply uh, of Benadryl allergy, which does the trick. But you're, I want it's going to knock me out for a couple of hours at least. So yeah, uh, Benadryl makes you drowsy. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been on that this week as well. Benadryl. See, I take uh, either Allegra, and you know you can get the generic versions, or uh, 
it's the Zyrtec D, anything with D that's more expensive. And they also take your driver's license, you know. Ooh. And uh, Emma has had to, usually it's Heather and I will share a box of Zyrtec D or something, like 24 pills. And then, you know, I got to go back. But I've done, you know, Emma, she'll be, have bad allergies or something. So she'll take it to you. I'll run out before a month is up. And I've actually gone to buy it. And they'll go, oh, I'm sorry, sir. You've already bought the max amount for this month. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she's like, you got to wait till 30 days has passed where you can buy anymore. And I'm like, I've never had them stop me. Cause what? I, it's because it's I, like I, I tell have them, a look, meth I, lab. I tell them I travel. I'm on the road. And my medicine's at home or whatever. It's in case I have a meth lab, I think. Huh. So Maybe if you buy too many, they, you're red flagged, I guess. That's crazy. That guy is Why would buying too many raise up a red flag? I don't know. I Did guess you get it's, high off this stuff. Well, they check your ID for a reason. It's yeah, because the, uh, the Zyrtec D is meth heads. Is what they use in meth. <laughs> yeah, I think it's because of meth. Basically, uh, like, uh, if you buy, like, go in there. Yeah, I'll take these three hundred boxes of Zyrtec D, please. And they're like, "What are that guy's going to do with all that?" No. I mean, you'd say. I don't know more than two, more than more than ten boxes. You won't. Flag yeah, but it, if I'm know, buying one, one box. box of twenty-four, and then two weeks later I buy another box, it's like that guy's got a meth lab. It's like, well, how much? What? You know, I think I need more than this for my meth lab. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah, one would think. Yeah. Meth heads. I'm not a meth head. Now, Adam, Stephen, I I forgot to ask this last week, and I'm glad Adam Sexton's here with us. Um, have you guys been watching all the new fall TV shows? Have you been? Uh... I, s- I saw the first Lethal Weapon. Okay, that's and, good. And I didn't see this week. You didn't see the second one yet. Okay. I didn't tag it, so I don't have it. Aw, it'll, it'll be on Hulu. Um. They'll probably rerun it too. I think they do that for a couple of weeks, you know, like on Saturday, they'll re-air it or something. But let me ask you this. Have you been watching, did you watch the new Kristen Bell show, The Good Place? Yes, I did watch the first one. I've watched like the first three. I think that's funny. It's a funny Mm -hmm. show. What about you, Adam? Have you checked that out? Uh, Not the Kristen Bell show, but I am caught up on Lethal Weapon. Oh, cool. So, okay, let's talk about Lethal Weapon. Because we're all fans of the films, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first heard that Lethal Weapon was being turned into a TV show, you would think my first reaction, uh, I think my first reaction was kind of disgust. But when I heard who was involved, I was like, okay, maybe it won't be so bad. And it was Matt Miller, a guy who's written for Chuck. He's an executive producer on Chuck. And... Uh, I was like, maybe he'll do something fun with it or whatever. Uh, but I didn't have high hopes because, let's face it, Lethal Weapon is a Shane Black movie, you know, written with a hard R in mind, right? With violence, right. with F-bombs, uh, etc. Plus, I mean, come on. We all... I mean, one thing I've got to say Plus about- there were four films, so you were kind of attached to those characters. Yes, for what I was going to say was Mel Gibson's a hard person to fill right. his shoes. For instance, I I still don't think Tom Hardy did fill his shoes for Mad, uh, Max. Mad Max. I think you know Tom Hardy, you know, gave it his best, I guess, but he didn't inhabit the role the way Mel Gibson was. Like 
Mel Gibson is Max. He's inhabiting the character. I, you know, I of course I love Mad Max Fury Road, but as I watch it, I'm just like, eh, he's just not Max to me. He, just, I, you know, it's not his fault. It's just a hard thing to do. Am I right, Adam? I I wasn't bothered by Tom Hardy's performance, uh, and, I and I can remember when the movie first came out and the reviews started coming out, whether it was from uh, Drew McWinney when he was still writing for a hit flicks or from Birth Movies Death, where all these reviews, some of these reviews were uh, able to point out that some of these uh, Mad Max films, starting from Road Warrior on, they're told from like a different perspective, yeah, but yeah. not never Max's. So the interpretation or the visualization of Max doesn't have to be doesn't have to be dependent on what came before. Now, right. Gibson walked away from the series back when George Miller was first trying to put together Fury Road. I think this was back in like the early aughts or something. So um, it's hard shoes to fill. True, but the way that Max comes off in Fury Road, where it, it seems like he's been away from human contact for so long that for the good part of the movie, he's just speaking in grunts and uh, yeah. body like and weird just body language. I, I'm sure Gibson could do that, but um, I, I think Hardy did about as good a job as anyone else could. So I don't, I don't really uh, maybe hold it against him as too strong of a term. But I wasn't bothered by his performance. Right. I mean, I that's I'm. You know, back when the movie came out, I certainly didn't have a problem with them, and I still don't. It's just when I, it's on right. HBO and I'm watching it, I'm just like, he's that's, that's not Max. Okay, here here's what example not the Max you know. When I saw the Road Warrior when I was a kid, I wanted to be Max. You know, I I identified with Max or whatever. I'm saying I don't identify with Tom Hardy's Max. That's all I'm saying. You know, he's right. fine or whatever, but it's just not the same. And so. When you watch this Lethal Weapon series, the guy that they're going to get to be Martin Riggs, you're like, how the hell is he going to do this? You know, like, yeah. uh, Danny Glover, not so much a problem. So they cast Clayne Crawford, who I've seen in some things. He's the guy who plays Riggs. <laughs> he is on. Yeah. I remember him being a bad guy on a season of 24. Uh, he was most recently on the the. He was on a show on IFC called Rectify, and uh, I hear it's a really good show. Like, I've not just yeah, heard, I do hey, too. hey, you should watch that. I've heard several critics say, freaking watch Rectify. It's fantastic. And it's, it's on, on Netflix. Yeah, it is on Netflix. I want to watch it. It's on my to-watch list. So anyway, Lethal Weapon airs the first episode. Here's Here's all I want. And I've kind of talked to you about this, Adam, I think. I just wanted mm-hmm. there to be some chemistry between the main characters. Uh, all the other stuff, uh, we can talk about that. But here's what I, I will say about the show. I think that uh, Clayne Crawford, you know, once you get over that now Riggs is a Texan. <laughs> He's a Texan. Uh, no big deal. Um, I think that Damon Wayans does a great job as Murtaugh. I think that they have chemistry. Now, there's stuff that we love about Lethal Weapon besides those guys. For instance, we have the fantastic music of the series by Michael Kamen, David Sanborn, etc. Uh, it's much like a character in the movie, wouldn't you say? You can identify the films by that music. Of course, the yes. show try, attempts none of that. The music is just 
that tonal TV tonal TV music is what it is today. Yeah, it just sounds, you know, and they have the touching pop songs or whatever, kind of like you know how Chuck will do or whatever. But um, or every show does it now, where they have a song in the background and where it's supposed to evoke a feeling. But what the show is missing. I, you know, I'll let you talk about it, Adam, before I talk about that. So what are you thinking of the, the Lethal Weapon show? You've seen two episodes. Tell me, unload, what do you think of these, this show? Well, uh, I'll say right off first, I mean, because like you, I was, I was a little unsure, and then the teaser started coming out, and I was really, really unsure. <laughs> but uh, then... There was like an advanced review from Alan Sepp and Wallover and uh, Hitflix who said it's it's okay, it's lighthearted, but uh, it's well made for what it is. And so I watched the uh, pilot last week, and uh, two nights ago we were uh, texting each other through Facebook, and the subject of uh, Antoine Fuqua came up if I'm yeah. pronouncing that last name correctly. And uh, you and I were talking about the equalizer, which you've, which uh, you're familiar with the TV series. I'm not, Absolutely. but your main takeaway from the movie is that, well, they could, it's good. It, it's a, it's well made for what it is, but they could have called it anything. Yeah. yeah. And my initial gut reaction from lethal weapon from that pilot was it's not, it, it's, it's actually very well made for what it is, but they could have called it anything. So why lethal weapon after the, the, the first movie came out in what? 86, 87. Sure. Okay. So it's been 30 <laughs> years since, and you've had movies and TV shows that have borrowed off the buddy cop formula. Yeah. Uh, so th- this whole formula has been kind of done to death or what? So one thanks, or maybe what TV will allow uh, the formula to get away with. Um, and I'm kind of, I was wondering, well, what are they going to do differently? That's, that's the big question for whenever anyone tries to do a remake or a reboot of an established, uh, intellectual property. Right. And like you said, it's, it's, it's missing certain characteristics. You don't have the music, which kind of provides the emotional backbone for the series, which, you know, in those first two movies, especially there's like this. A great air of like tragedy and heartbreak. Most of it coming from the Martin Ricks character. Well, uh, certainly playing that it, up in the first two episodes, the tragedy yeah. of his life. Uh, he's a very yeah. wounded, hurting guy who, it, it, when you meet him, he seems like he's kind of a jokester. He doesn't take anything seriously. And, you know, they're playing up the crazy angle. And they, you know, they slowly let Roger Murtaugh learn that, uh, he had a wife that died. And you don't even learn until the second episode that he had a child that died. The, uh, the pilot has two things that I absolutely hate in TV shows and I'm so sick of seeing it. And when I saw him, I knew it was going to happen because I saw it in the trailer. And here's the two things that I've seen enough of and I never want to see again in any movie, any TV show ever. Just stop doing it. I'm so sick of it. Okay. Thanks yourselves, everyone. Here's the first one. Someone driving in a car 
They're driving, they're talking on the phone, or they're talking to someone. They're driving, and holy shit, a truck just came out of nowhere! And just hit them! Slam! You just see it, boom! It just comes into frame! They're, they're, they're driving, they're talking. You see the window, there's a truck, it's right there! Boom! Like, holy shit! Oh my god, you guys! It's like, no! It, you know why I don't react to it? Because I've seen it one billion times. Yeah. They did it again. The other thing I hate, I never want to see it again in another. The person backing up, they're backing up, they're backing up. Hey, man, freeze. Okay, stop. Friggin' truck hits him out of nowhere. He's off the frame. Just, and we're supposed to go, whoa. But instead, I'm like, seen it, seen it. I don't know if anybody's done it, but there's got to be a video on YouTube of someone doing it every time it happens. Yes, there has to be. If not, there's... But, uh... but the pilot does both of those, by the way. Yeah, yeah, you're right. <laughs> but uh, all I can say is, uh, like like, like what you were talking about with the Equalizer, it's, it's well made for what it is. It's missing certain characteristics. It's also, I think, in a weird way, kind of improving on some of the dated elements of uh, like that first film. Now, this was chronicled in death in the Lethal Weapon movie mini special, which I think is one of the best things that Nowhere Mulberry's ever produced. And there there are some cringe worthy comedic moments and I think that they've uh that you know we don't have to deal with the weird Trish is a bad cook jokes or or Murtoff's daughter is growing up too fast for him to have any control over it. Or Murtov trying to rap with his his kids, <laughs> or any of that weird stuff. They they they've made there's made there's some effort to streamline some of that stuff. They're not copying the first movie or two beat also, for beat. So I can give them credit for that. Riggs's slight homophobia comments in the movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's kind of homophobic. Um, but in this one, it does open up with kind of a blowjob joke, which I thought was interesting. You know, the whole, it's his mm-hmm. birthday, he's going to get something, something, oh. or whatever. Yeah. The second episode, I thought they did a funny thing where, you know, she's talking about, like, uh, the only person who handcuffs me is, is the only person that's going to handcuff you, Raj, is me. And her, the kids are <laughs> listening, they go, ah, oh! like that. I thought that was pretty funny. <laughs> so they're obviously, they're a very healthy sexual uh, couple, you know. <laughs> There's no, there's no weird, awkward scenes in the bathroom while you know his family's visiting. Yeah, their father in the bathtub. Who the hell does that? Yeah. Another thing I will say about the two episodes: they are killing the bad guys. Oh yeah, killing them. Yeah, and that's something that they would do on Lethal Weapon. I think it's funny. Any. Uh, one thing the TV show is doing that's entertaining is any scene with the captain where he's just like, oh, Jesus, these guys. You know, he's like, this is how much money you've already cost the city. Try not to add to it. And there's even in the second episode where he's like, uh, hey, the shooting happened before we got there. Okay, we're not at fault. And he's like, well, there was that explosion when the truck blew up. And he's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, oh, shit, that did happen on our watch, didn't it? But uh, the idea that they're, you know, chaos and mayhem, as uh, Rig says in the movie, or what does he say? I'm mayhem and he's chaos. <laughs> or a double act. Yeah. Uh, here's 
the okay the crimes in each episode are just kind of like there for them to solve but they they don't there's no weight to the story what yeah. i would like for them to do i think it would be so cool even though we've seen it in the films i want them to have an a mystery arc start up in this uh during the series right. you know they can do their individual crimes each week right but also start an arc where something else is going on and they could even introduce michael hunsacker and when he does we're like oh shit i know what this is gonna be you know we can eventually get to leo Getz or whatever no, no, no let's not let's not get to leo Getz ever please <laughs> okay okay i'm just saying you can introduce characters from the movie i was disappointed the captain didn't have the same name as the captain and here's a funny thing i was like i wonder if jordana brewster's who i love jordana brewster i wonder if mm-hmm. her character has the same name as the the psychiatrist the, yeah so i looked it up on imdb to see her character's name her name was psychiatrist and I go, wait a second, didn't they give her name? <laughs> Lethal Weapon 2. Psychiatrist. That her she was in all the movies. She never had a name. Her name was Psychiatrist. Can that be right? I gotta go back and watch it now to see if they ever say her name. But IMDB lists her as Psychiatrist. I swore and there was a Speaking name. of her character, uh give the TV show credit for this. They're actually making a little bit more waves to give her character. Uh, a little bit more screen time. They oh, just yeah. treat her like a joke in the movies. Yeah, in the movie, they made it like, oh my god, psychiatry? <laughs> what a bogus science that is, you know? Like, Yeah, even oh the police captain treats her with some measured level of yeah, contempt. Like, like, oh, what is Riggs going to do? Talk his feelings out and he'll be better? <laughs> it's just like, wow. Does Shane Black hate psychiatrists? <laughs> um, is he like, is, is he a Scientologist? Cause I know they hate psychiatry too. <laughs> but one thing that, uh, I do think one thing I've said it before about TV series. I will say this. I like the show enough to keep watching. I, I do, of course, love the films. Well, you know, I love Lethal Weapon 1 and 2. Lethal Weapon 3, we did a commentary of that. Yeah. Uh, Lethal Weapon 4, the less said about that, the better. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a nightmare, okay? I will say that Damon Wayans and Clayne Crawford are doing a good job as Riggs and Murtaugh. They have the, they work in those little tiny, tiny moments of, uh, emotion, you know? And, mm-hmm. um, like for instance, in the first the first episode when Riggs holds the baby, you know, just that like come on, he's holding the baby. Oh, come on, how's that not melt your heart? And then the second one when his wife is like, "You bring him home to me," and he's like, "I'll do my best, ma'am." And you can see right there, like she she likes the guy, you know, and that's yeah. the same as Trish did in the movies. She accepted Riggs into their family. They didn't do the Rihanna doesn't have a crush on him because it'd be highly inappropriate. Yeah. <laughs> but I just right. want to ask you this. What do you think of Clayne Crawford as Riggs so far, Adam? So far, I, I mean, like we said, it's it's hard to replace Mel Gibson once he's had a role, an iconic role for long enough. Like the rest of the show, I think after two episodes that I'm willing to accept Clayton Crawford uh, more than I was at the beginning. And uh, I'll 
I like you. I'll I'll keep watching because I'm 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 at least interested uh, for the show, even if only what it's doing right now is just doing like a standard comedy buddy cop police procedural thing, crime of the week. Now you mentioned that there's no overarching story. The the thing that that's still kind of puzzling me is why are they keeping the secret of uh, Riggs's transferred to that precinct a mystery uh, the, oh, yeah, the chief yeah. keeps talking about that there's he's got like some friend high, friends higher up there there's some reason yeah. he's there and the show hasn't told us yet they're wondering how this guy still has a job and it's because his father-in-law is helping him out you know he was married to his daughter and uh so he cares about rigs and I thought that was an interesting element. Maybe it's something in the writers' room. Where they're like, why wouldn't they fire Riggs? I mean, seriously, what is he going through? I like the. I actually <clears throat> like that idea that somebody high up cares about Riggs, and he's gonna he's gonna keep his job no matter what. Somebody's gonna keep saving him. Right. And I even like that that funny joke at the end of the captain where he sees the the fireworks going off. Oh wait, you haven't seen it, Stephen. But the yeah. captain's like. <laughs> Please tell me that's not Riggs and Murtaugh. <laughs> he's like, tell he, me what Riggs and Murtaugh is. As soon as he sees the fireworks going off on the side of town, he's just like, he knows that's them. He's like, God damn it. <laughs> but here's another thing. I mean, the show uh, has some violence to it. That guy, he shot up a party, and you see this dude coming up some stairs. The bad guy just shoots him point blank. And have you noticed they kind of have a red mist thing going when people get shot? Yeah. It's like a red mist. I'm like, I kind of dig the mist thing they got going. It's pretty sweet. Well, it's 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 TV 14, and uh, Fox is the was the home of 24, so they they can go down some dark and dirty roads if they want to. Yeah, I mean, there are some silly scenes when like Riggs is at that shooting range and he grabs the gun and he fires it off like he's pretending to do it on accident or whatever. Uh, yeah. The- <laughs> There's a, there's a weird stunt uh, before that, and I, I I probably shouldn't spoil it if Steven wants to watch it, but there's one low eye-rolling, you've got to be oh, kidding me yeah, kind of stunt. Are you talking about the building thing? Yep. Yeah, I was like thinking about it during a commercial break, like, okay, wait, and I was like, you know what, just forget it. <laughs> it was ridiculous. It's, it, it's like arguing a stunt from Fast and the Furious. Just let it go. Let it go. Yeah, yeah. It's It was completely ridiculous. Just like Fast and the Furious when Vin Diesel jumped off the car, flew through the air, <laughs> caught Letty, and then landed, and he was fine. They were both fine. He's a superhero, I guess. So Riggs is a superhero. <laughs> We've already mentioned some ties to Chuck. You know, you've you. It's uh, who's the the showrunner? Tim Matt Miller? Miller. Matt Miller. Matt Miller. Okay. Well, you've got obviously you got Jordan Brewster who uh, was on Chuck, oh, and yeah. the pilot. Correct me if I'm wrong. Was was directed by McGee, who also did the pilot for Chuck. That's right. McGee actually directed the first two episodes. I was surprised to see he did the second one too. Because usually, you know, the guy directs the pilot. He's like, okay, you guys mimic what I do, and I'm out of here. And he never comes back again. Uh, but he did the second episode. Yeah, and the Chuck pilot's one of the greatest pilots ever made, but we already knew that. Hell yeah, we knew that. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, like I said, I'm signed up for... I'm going to watch more Lethal Weapon. All I want is the crimes to have more stakes eventually. I understand right now, you know, they... 
They want people to jump on at any time. That's one thing anybody could do. Like, I've seen the movies. I don't need to see the first episode. I could just start watching from here. And people, you know, we, I knew Damon Wayans could pull it off. He was in the last Boy Scout, right? He could do this. So, um, I just want eventually the crimes and the, the things they're working on to have more stakes. Yeah, it makes me wonder what. How are they gonna? If they want to tackle the plots of the first two movies, you mentioned maybe they'll bring in a Michael Hunt sucker character. Yeah. Uh, do Do we know if this Murtaugh has had military experience? Yeah. They. Okay. Well, I'm guessing. Uh, I, I don't know if there's anything like Shadow Company these days. Yeah. Maybe like Blackwater or something. Also, you maybe know, they can think of it. His wife was on the way to the hospital to have her baby, and she got hit by a truck. When, in reality, we've seen Lethal Weapon 2, we know that his wife didn't die on accident. Right. Right. They need to introduce that story. I think it would be, like, if he finds out his wife was actually... a similar story arc with that. Yeah, it wasn't an accident... uh, you know, his, she was murdered, but it was they were going for him. Yeah, they were going for him, and then you know, of course, he goes rigs crazy or whatever. I would almost love to see, you know, you got to think a two-hour movie versus an arc of a season. Have uh, rigs start to mellow out a little, kind of the first ten episodes, and then as we're winding up to get close to the finale, he finds out his wife's murdered, starts going nuts again, plugging dudes left and right. Uh, and then, you know, have the big finale or something. Wouldn't that yeah. be cool? And then the f- season two, episode one, Leo gets, we get introduced. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Who, no. who should play Leo in the TV show? No one. <laughs> no one. Okay. 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 No, it would be, um, Saturday Night Live, the um... Bobby Moynihan. No, 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 no. I'm thinking old, older, uh, Jesus Christ, what's his name? Uh, he's in all of the Sadler, Sandler movies. The little short guy with a pompadour haircut. Looks like Elvis. Uh, Rob Schneider? Know, Rob Schneider. Oh, Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? <laughs> why oh, not? Okay. I was... Uh, oh, man. I uh, I almost he had somebody. He could do David Spade, too. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be somebody really annoying. Because, you know, they're a thing that they say is, shut up! Or to the, the guy who played Mongo. Mongo? the in, in Saturday Night Live as well. Mongo in Saturday Night Live. Yeah, he wore the little red sequin shorts and was weird. I don't remember. You don't remember that character? I, down. I can't get Bobby Moynihan out of my head, so I think Bobby Moynihan should be... <laughs> uh, well, I unless you guys have anything else to say on Lethal Weapon, uh, I'm shocked as you are that I don't out- outright hate it. I actually enjoy it. So, uh, Stephen, anything you gonna keep watching it? Yeah, I'll, I'll give it a keep. I'll give it a little bit more. I didn't hate it. And you know the the youngest daughter, on, you know, is a baby. So why not? They change some things up, right? Yeah. You think they'll be. eventually introduce a Lorna Dune? character <laughs> Lorna, Lorna Cole Lorna Cole yeah Lorna Cole <laughs> didn't he call her Lorna Dune <laughs> he did yeah all right well let's get into some news you guys want to hear some news this is some exciting oh, yeah. stuff yeah because you know it's ETL news after all uh you guys remember that NES classic thing that little it's like a little NES 
con- you know, you have like 30 games on it. Right. Well, uh, IGN ha- is hands-on with it, and they're going to tell us all about it. So 30 games, three output options, and one really short controller cord. And I was like, uh-oh. Uh- Nintendo's new mini console called the NES Classic is an 80s-themed throwback for anyone who wants to play 30 of the best video games made for the NES. It packs in truckloads of the most exciting games, including Super Mario Bros. 3, The Legend of Zelda, Castlevania. Overall, it's an impressively lightweight system that outputs significantly better software emulation compared to Nintendo's current offerings, and it's available for $59.99. But there's one catch... The decision to use wired controllers and not modify the iconic look of the NES makes the user end experience clunky. But there's still a lot to love about the NES Classic. It's a lovely little system, and right out the box, right out of the box, it renders classic games better than any other system to date. The NES Classic offers three display modes. One that emulates the look of classic CRT TVs from the te- from televisions made in the 80s. One that presents the game in a 4x3 format. A pixel-perfect mode. A slender yet more precise output method that maps the pixels as they were originally designed. It looks much improved over the squashed, slightly faded look of the same games running on the Wii U Virtual Console. Even with better tech, each game gets its original presentation quirks. So little things like a blank line on the left of the screen in Super Mario Bros. 3 or the slowdown whenever too many enemies were on screen in Metroid is just the way you remember it. Hitting the reset button on the console itself mid-game pops you out and back to the front-end menu where you can change display options, load up another game, or save the state of the one you're playing. That sounds pretty cool, doesn't it? I'm thinking. It does. Do I, I do? I am bummed out about uh, one little thing, though. Uh, I mean, like they said, the controller cord is really short. But um, they even see say this uh, about the basically when you connect it to the TV because the controller is so short, you're going to need a longer HDMI cable to take advantage, or you're going to have to sit really close to the TV. Right. So since the, you know, most people, what, you get like a six-foot HDMI cable, you're going to have to sit really close to the TV because the cord is so short from the controller. You, <clears throat> the alternative would to be be like go on Amazon and find an HDMI cable that's like what? Like uh, 12 feet. 12 feet. feet long, maybe 32. <laughs> I don't know. Like just something. Yeah, really how far long. away are you from the TV? <laughs> Yeah, I'm just saying, like, if you want to chill, like, and sit back a little bit. Yeah, because, I mean, you've got a good 15 feet. Like, I usually sit right there. I'm going to say, what is that? Like, that's a good eight feet away from the TV. Yeah. I need a good eight feet. Plus. Like 10 inch. Because you got to think, this is back when the Sorry. NES, I remember playing NES, Adam, like, on a 13 inch TV, you know, you're just chilling yeah. right there on the floor. I remember that's how I played. The controller would be sitting on the floor. I'd use two fingers to do left, right, up, and down, and two other fingers to hit A, B, and that's how I played games. It and was even so my weird. Super NES I'd bring over to your house was on the 19. Yeah, and we would sit on the floor playing that. <laughs> so basically, you're going to have to do that with this, aren't you? Or I hook it up to the computer, maybe just sit it here at the computer desktop, you know? I could do that. 
Hell, there's a monitor over there that Heather uses for her work with an HDMI input, but I'd need speakers for sound. But yeah. uh, that might be a way to play it. So, interesting. It sounds really cool, but there are some drawbacks. Now, here's some other cool news that I just read. I got an email. First of all, I want to ask you guys, do you guys have Amazon Prime? I do. Yes. Okay, I do too. And I do often use Twitch. So, I saw today Twitch and Amazon announced Twitch Prime. Because I believe Amazon owns Twitch, don't they? Yes. Twitch and Amazon have announced Twitch Prime, a new set of video game-related benefits for Amazon Prime members. Subscribers will now get exclusive discounts on pre-orders and new release releases of physical games for the first two weeks after launch. Amazon is offering free release day delivery on pre-order, pre-orders as well. Members will also receive an updated selection of free digital games and in-game loot, such as characters and skins. I don't even know what well, I don't know what that means. Starting today and until November sixth, you know how you character with skins like mm-hmm. different outfits. Twitch Prime members can claim Hearthstone's new hero, Tehran Whisperwind, along with a custom card pack. Uh, I don't play that. Do you play Hearthstone, Adam? Uh, no device I own can run it properly. I mean, my phone can barely do it, but that's not the kind of game I'm interested in. In October, a Twitch Prime branded skin from Smite and a free copy of Streamline, a new game from Proletariat Studios, will be up for grabs. Amazon is also adding Twitch-related goodies like a free monthly subscription to a Twitch channel of your choosing. Twitch Prime will include most of the benefits you can get from Twitch Turbo, the company's premium subscription service, and Twitch streamers will get paid from these subscriptions. Ad-free Twitch viewing, special chat badges, expanded chat colors, and custom emotes are all included. If you're already an Amazon Prime member and live in the U.S., U.K., or Canada, Germany, France, Italy, Spain, you can start taking advantage of Twitch Prime by linking your Amazon and Twitch accounts. accounts. Despite the new benefits, a Prime subscription will still cost you $99 a year. I think that's pretty cool. The fact that you could subscribe to a channel and it doesn't cost you anything and the whoever you're subscribing to gets the money is pretty cool. Don't you think? Guys? I do. I'm linking my account right now. <laughs> nice. Now, do you guys remember this game from a while back called No Man's Sky? Some It sounds familiar. Vaguely. That disappeared, didn't it? Rather quick. Can you quickly. believe that, Adam? How quick it came and went? Yeah, you were quite the. You tried to be the champion for it, but uh, every podcast I listened to just seems to have. Uh, they only mention it in terms of, well, this wasn't the game that they were selling us, and yes, there are some people playing it, but it's not what it's supposed to be, and yada yada yada. Yeah, basically, what happened to me is my controller <sighs> broke on my PS4, and I'm waiting for my birthday to get another controller. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm not playing anything currently. Uh, No Man's Sky reports Polygon under investigation for false advertising. What? No Man's Sky's promotional material has come under fire since launch, and it's now the subject of an ongoing investigation. The UK-based advertising standards authority 
confirmed to Polygon that it's received several complaints about No Man's Sky's advertising, which angry customers have criticized as misleading. I can confirm we have received several complaints about No Man's Sky, and we have launched an investigation. A representative for the ASA declined to comment on the particulars of the investigation, but a thread on No Man's Sky subreddit details some of the more prominent issues stream u- Steam users have had with the game's store page, which they pass on to the organization. Screens and video on Steam suggest different types of... I keep wanting to say stream when I see Steam. <laughs> suggest a different type of combat, unique buildings ship flying behavior and creature sizes that's what's found in the then what's found in the game itself the store page overall has been criticized for showing no man's sky with higher quality graphics than can be in than can be attained in the game the reddit threat also notes that the asa is holding responsible both the developer hello games and valve which runs the steam platform for no man's sky's controversial advertising we've contacted both for more information and will update accordingly it's a, it's a bit silly. Uh, I mean, I do. I one thing I did do, Adam, is I went back and watched the E3, the original video of No Man's Sky when it was first announced. No one knew what it was, and I was like, oh, oh no, that's not in there. <laughs> there were a few things that I was like, oh, that doesn't happen in the game. Uh, it was close, but you can tell they did a rendering of this is what we want in the game, but it's not actually there. Like one part, this giant creature comes storming, knocking trees over, and it's like, you know, just like you're pushing things aside, like it's affecting the landscape and stuff. And that's something you do not see in the game at all. You see the creatures just kind of moving around like they're on roller skates or, you know, kind of like there's, they're walking around or they're flying, but they're not like affecting terrain or anything. They're not pushing leaves out of the way. Or, uh, another thing is about joining battles in space. It's kind of like just ships attacking you shoot them down, but you don't feel like you're part of an epic battle or anything. Mm. So it seems like this is what they wanted and they teased it. But it didn't actually happen. Did it? Does it make me mad? No, but a lot of people they get mad about a lot of stupid shit. So I don't know. It's like a lot of times people always overpromise, and it's not exactly what you get. Yeah, if you compare a lot of E3 videos, the announcement trailers to the final product, there's a lot of shit that didn't make doesn't make it into the game. You know. Like, a lot of people well, did that with uh, Destiny. Like, the first time they announced Destiny and they showed them actually playing it, like, a lot of this stuff was changed before the game actually came out. And the the scope of the game changed dramatically. I mean, we thought going in we were going to uh, visit entire worlds and not just a closed-off section of a world. Right. I was very disappointed by Destiny's promises not met. I thought there was going to be a badass storyline. I thought it was going to be going to Saturn and stuff. And instead, you know, I've talked about Destiny a lot in the past, but doing the same shit over and over again. And just one day I was like, what What am I doing? Why am I playing this again? The same friggin' strike again. Stop it, Jason. Put the controller down. And I was like, okay. And I just, I've never gone back. I put it... This is a funny thing. All of my games are like right here, Stephen, where I can reach them. They're in the entertainment center or they're up here on this shelf. Destiny's in the other room, like in a <laughs> bookcase where I will have to go look for it because I don't want to play it anymore. 
And uh, I've even heard some people talk about the latest, you know, they did uh, DLC, the latest one, uh, something about iron. And they kind of described it. Yeah, like I, I was done with the different story threads like in one day. And, you know, and I was just like, oh, it's the same game. Yeah, sure, there's new shit, but you finish it in one day, whatever weak-ass storyline they have. So that's why I'm not going to play anymore. Yeah, I had a similar uh, disappointment with Street Fighter V, which <clears throat> came out earlier this year. It was a PS4 exclusive, and uh, they mentioned a whole lot of things. It, it, re- it was released with just bare-bones modes. Not all the characters were available. Not all the modes were available. And uh, it seems like they just rushed it out just so they could make it for some of the uh, online fighting competition, like the Evo uh, fighting competitions. They just rushed out a product, and they've been uh, uh, patching in uh, content like piecemeal over over the months since its release. And that just... That was horrible. That that's a bad way to put out a game, and because of yeah. that, I, I I now have no interest in Street Fighter Five, and I and I've loved that series ever since the second game came out. Right. You haven't played that in ages, but yeah, it's funny the way that these game companies can just leave us bad taste on our mouth, and we'll remember too when the next yeah. game comes out. We remember. Now here's a interesting announcement. Uh, one more video game story, guys, before I move on. Uh, this also from the Hollywood Reporter. Firewatch. Remember that game? Did you guys ever play that? You were telling me about it. I played it. I thought it was uh, interesting. You know, a lot of people reported the story was kind of like let you down at the end. And I tend to agree with that. It just it didn't have the revelation you were hoping for at the end. But Firewatch developer Campo Santo is moving into film development with an adaptation of the indie adventure game as its first theatrical project. Will they make the ending better? <laughs> the team is working with production and financing company Good Universe to create new games and movies. According to The Hollywood Reporter, set in the wilderness of Wyoming, Firewatch won acclaim earlier in the year, particularly for its unique sound design. There's neither a cast set in stone nor a release date for the upcoming film. Nothing has been developed in any way, but still we're reporting the story. Uh, Although (laughs) Madman's Rich Summer (laughs) voiced the game's lead (laughs) character, Henry. Campo Santo, a studio composed of veterans from Telltale Games and other story-heavy titles, formed three years ago, and Firewatch is the studio's first release. I, I'm going to say this. The game is gorgeous. It's a fun game. There's interesting things you're exploring. There's kind of a sense of mystery. When you have a mystery game, you you your imagination as you're playing it sometimes gets the better of you. Sometimes you might come up with something more intriguing that what than what really is going on. Right. And I think that's what happens with this game. They set it up so well that when it comes to the revelation, you're like, I like my idea better that I had in my head. <laughs> this is what I thought was going on. I like this better than what was going on. So that's interesting. And that's what I think is interesting about developing a film of it. But, um, Steven, I have some exciting news for you. Are you ready for this? Yes. And Adam, you might like this news too. Okay. Sure. TV line reports NBC orders Little Big Shot spinoff 
this time with senior citizens. Oh. <laughs> so there's still diapers involved on both sides. <laughs> so what? Little Big Shots, this is a one of those shows that whenever you go over to someone's house, like, say, your parents have a friend, you know, Stephen, run over there, you haven't said hi to them in a long time. And they're like, okay, the Joneses <laughs> run over there, and they're like, they're watching Little Big Shots on the TV. My, my parents would be watching Little Big Shots. <laughs> little Big Shots. That's, that's kind of, the, my grandparents are no longer alive, but if I went over to their house, they'd be watching Little Big Shots no, on my, a Friday. My grandparents, it would be... Bonanza. <laughs> yeah. Lone that's, Ranger. That's a, you know, Friday's CBS shows. They would find it no matter shows, what. C- Friday CBS shows, they have like Hawaii Five O and then Blue Bloods. Total like geriatric block of TV right there. You know, it's old people watching it. But Steve Harvey is perfected talking to little kids, you guys. Now he can work on relating to the greatest generation. NBC's hit reality show, Little Big Shots, is getting a new spinoff featuring senior citizens. That's right, guys. I'm so excited about all of this. It's so amazing. Ah. <laughs> the news comes as no surprise since Big Shots from uh, Warner and executive producer by Harvey, executive produced by Harvey and Ellie Ellen DeGeneres was a huge hit for NBC this past spring, averaging 11.5 million viewers, all of which are over the age of 80. It ranked as the most watched news show. New show of the TV season and the most watched new reality show since Undercover Boss. And since they've already cornered the market on cute kids, cute old people were the next logical step. Just like the kids, they have insane skills that will amaze and surprise you, Warner Brothers reality president Mike Darnell said in a statement. Not to mention the often hysterical political beliefs they have. No, I added that part. Can you just imagine? Grandpa, what do you think of the state of America right now? It's like, oh, shit. It's like throwing a grenade and shutting the door and running away. Yeah, the host asked the person, so what are you, are you voting for? Who are you voting for? And then he just leaves and everyone's stuck there in their seats like, no, we have to listen to this old man. Like Grandpa Simpson. Here's Country's going to shit. <laughs> so that's going to be adorbs, you guys. You know what? I have the first guest. I ran into him yesterday or this week. Who's that? Gallagher. <laughs> Gallagher. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Yeah, you, I, I remember you telling me that. He's you, adorable. You were going to go see him, weren't you? And you changed I your mind. I thought about it. I thought about it doing it for the show. <laughs> Uh, I'm glad you wisely changed your mind. Is everything going okay back there, Adam? <laughs> Adam, are you are you doing okay? Yeah, I'm doing fine. It sounds like you're at Adam's uh, Adam Howard's house during the, <laughs> the the drop battle. It's funny listening back to that. It's like, what the hell was Adam doing in the background? Baby. Well, I was just moving moving some books out of the way of where I was sitting. So uh, sorry about the noise. No problem. Now, here's another TV story. We all love Gordon Ramsay, right? Mm -hmm. We used to cover him religiously on the show. You know, we don't so much anymore, but we still love Gordon, don't we? My goodness me. Gordon Ramsay is launching a live cooking competition show on Fox. Live, you say? How many friggin' shows is this guy going to have on TV? Censor. Oh, I like how they say the censors get ready. By the way, this is Entertainment Weekly, so they're really funny. But they're really Fox is launching a live cooking competition show with Gordon Ramsay titled The F Word. 
Wait a second, that sounds familiar. The hour-long series has foodie families competing in prime time, a primetime cook-off. The amateur cooks will try to impress Ramsay and celebrity guests with their skills. The show is based on a UK show of the same name and format. Now, I've watched several seasons of The F Word and was a, a cool show. Uh, they It wasn't live, though. It was like... It would have a series of vignettes where Gordon Ramsay would go do something, and then they would cut back into the restaurant where families would be, oh, wait, that's what it's going to be. Families are going to show up into a Hell's Kitchen-type restaurant, and they're going to be competing, and then they'll be like, meanwhile, I was back here doing this and catching gobbledygook, gobbledygook or whatever. So Gordon Ramsay is not the only one of the big names in the culinary world. <laughs> Start over. Gordon Ramsay is not only one of the biggest names in the culinary world, but his expertise combined with his larger-than-life personality also make for a genuine television event, says David Madden, Fox Entertainment president. He loves Gordon, doesn't he? Mm -hmm. Gordon Ramsay stands tall in line of great... Uh, I can't read all of a sudden. Gordon Ramsay stands tall in the line... In a line of great Fox stars, those unpredictable originals whom you simply can't afford to miss. Okay, decipher what that sentence just was. What? The F word could come out. Come. Uh, oh, shut up. Forget it. <laughs> I'm done with the story. Who wrote this? He should be fired. Am I right, Stephen? Yes. Yeah. There you go. Screw it. Now, okay, you guys have probably seen ad advertisements for this next mm -hmm. show, probably even in the movie theater, right? Maybe. Adam, the show is called Timeless <clears throat> on NBC. Timeless. It's a time travel show. Have you do you are you familiar with this show? I have not. Okay, the Shield creator and Timeless showrunner showrunner says TV is too dark. Okay, turn up the brightness on your TV. They got to get it calibrated, right? So basically, what it is, Adam, is there. It's like the premise of Time Cop. Some bad guy has stolen the time machine. He's going to the past to change the timeline. Yes. And so they've got a girl, a tough Navy SEAL type guy, and a nerdy black Pirate. tech guy to go back in time to stop them. And it looks like they're at the Lincoln assassination. They're at the Hindenburg. They're different. You know, this is going from the trailer. They're from different moments in history, right? right. And they're trying to fix it. So in this interview, uh, timeless won't be humorless though. The NBC adventure dramas showrunner, Eric Kripke, who also did supernatural and Sean Ryan, who did, the Shield, spoke of how the series' approach to history would be a really visceral, grounded attack that would delve into racism and sexism. The pair say the story won't be tacking, tackling social issues all the time. The show is really fun and swashbuckling and exciting and accessible and very early Spielberg, Kripke, Kripke tells EW, referring to the celebrated director. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did he just tell me who Spielberg was in this story? Did I really need this guy to tell me this, this writer? Anyway, whatever. Okay, I don't want to read this anymore because that really was condescending. Didn't you guys think that? Was that condescending telling us who Spielberg was? Yes. Exactly. Now, here's another story. 
also to do with Timeless. NBC's Timeless sued by the creators of Spain's El Ministerio del Tiempo. That's right. Three weeks after reports of first service, the producers <laughs> of Spain's time travel series El Mini Ministerio del Tiempo or the Ministry of Time were considering legal action against NBC's Timeless. A lawsuit has been filed claiming that the Peacock's drama drama's producers, Eric Kripke and Sean Ryan, the guys from the last story I did, in concert with Sony Pictures, conspired to steal and ultimately ultimately ripped off their concept. That's right. NBC's Timeless follows a female history professor, a soldier, and a scientist who are recruited by a mysterious government organization to travel through time to stop a villain from affecting past events. Well, guess what? El Ministerio del Tiempo, meanwhile, chronicles, as the lawsuit cited, puts it, the adventures of a three-person government team, a female student, a marine, and a doctor traveling through time to thwart undesired changes to past events. Onza Entertainment, the producers of the Spanish format, which has been licensed to China, France, Italy, Portugal, and other parts of Latin America, claim in the lawsuit that in April 2015, they met with and supplied a DVD copy of their series to a talent agency partner who even suggested that Kripke and Ben Edlund would be a good fit to shepherd an American adaptation. Three months later, Sony proposed a deal to produce an American version of El Ministerio del Tiempo. One month after that, it was announced that NBC was developing a show called Timeless with Kripke and Sean Ryan, at which point, at which time Sony, the suit claims, cut off all its talks with the people who did uh, El Ministerio del Tiempo. It sounds fishy to me, guys. What do you think? <laughs> Well, I mean, is that an original idea anyways? I mean, you got Time Cop. And... It's not really, but they. it sounds like certain elements are very yeah. similar. Like the three. three. It's got a girl. It's got a tough military guy who's the fighter. And then it's got the nerdy dweebish guy. Yeah. Very... The Leo gets out of the group. Yeah, the Leo. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. That is a genius idea. They introduced Leo Getz on Lethal Weapon, but he's a hacker. Oh. Instead of an accountant, he's a hacker. Like, well, what do we know about this? Uh, these uh, these bullets. Okay, okay, guys. All right, I'm hacking <laughs> in the database right now. Oh, can you just see it right now, Adam? Bobby Moynihan no, I, away in a computer. I, that was a joke, Steve. That was a joke, Jason. I don't want to see it at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's a great idea. Leo Getz is a hacker. They're gonna do it. I can just see. I should it. just kept my mouth shut. <laughs> <laughs> now, Adam, some exciting Zack Snyder news, right? No, actually, this okay. is one of the stories that will drive you nuts. Uh, Comics oh. Alliance reports that did Zack Snyder hinted a Deathstroke appearance in the Justice League? Zack Snyder likes to tweet photos from the sets of his movies. They're usually first. They're okay. Start over, just. They're usually first looks at cool stuff like costumes and Batmobiles and whatnot. So it wasn't out of the ordinary for Snyder to tweet something like this yesterday. It's a picture of him holding Batman. You know, he's wearing Batman's glove and he's got a stylus on a tablet, and it says Justice League cosplay. It would be a little more out of the ordinary for him to tweet a photo of him playing dress up and not really committing to it all that hard with only a Batman gauntlet, and not to have some ulterior motives. So what's going on in this picture? 
well, there's a lot of bottled water, there's a nice lamp, there's a takeout container, and some headphones. There's some kind of weapon sitting in the background over Snyder's left shoulder. And there's whatever Snyder's sketching on his iPad. When you flip the tablet over and zoom in, what do you find? That sure looks like Deathstroke, the one-eyed assassin who's already been teased as a future member of the DCEU by Ben Affleck. And will be played in future movies by Joe Manganiello. It's possible Snyder is looking over storyboards for Affleck's Batman solo film, where Deathstroke will definitely appear. It's also possible he's giving a hint that Deathstroke will appear even sooner than that in a Justice League movie! <laughs> Are you guys totally excited, huh? Adam? Geeking out! <laughs> Adam, you don't sound excited. What's going on? Well... Uh, that's fine. I just want to see the movie. I, 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 I'm not into Hello. the whole. Give me the uh, the small pieces of information. I don't lose my mind over all that stuff. But just show me another trailer. Get us closer to the release date. That's that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, all these teases. I guess if I was a big Deathstroke fan or something, I might get excited. But yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, you, you've talked about, didn't you cover this on a previous episode where they were planning to maybe have a Deathstroke cameo in the next Justice League movie, then to put him into Affleck's solo Batman film? Yeah, yeah. Aren't they planning to do something like that? Yeah, I think they pretty much spelled it out. We know he's going to be in the freaking right. movie. I think what people need to do when they get excited, they report these stories. Go back to a year ago when people were reporting secrets about, or, you know, their their little speculations about Suicide Squad and go, is this a waste of time what we're doing right now? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I wonder if that's Jason Todd and the Joker kills him in the movie or something, or it's just like, guys, stop. Okay. Now let's, let's, you know, shift gears here to something more important guys. And that is walking dead. Won't spoil the comic ending says Robert Kirkman, a guy I hate. If you ever see Robert Kirkman like on the talk, you know, he's guy he created The Walking Dead. If you see him on the show, I hate how he does. He's I I know it's wrong to hate Steven, but I hate his mugging at the camera like, you oh, know, you know, he does this all shucks face all the time and it drives me nuts. I punch him. Okay, whether or not The Walking Dead turns into a 50 years franchise like Star Trek, the AMC series will inevitably either conclude before or extend beyond Robert Kirkman comic comic, comic source material. Whenever we get to that point, Kirkman at least confirms the two mediums will craft different endings. Wow, he's it's so funny that he's actually thought of this, but the, the fact to talk about it with somebody is so annoying. Like, one day, 50 years from now, I'm going to eventually end the comic, and no, it won't be the same as the TV show. <clears throat> like, Kirk- if you're still drawing the comic in 50 years. <laughs> Kirkman stated as much in an interview with Kevin Smith for Geeking Out. Have you watched that show, by the way, Geeking Out? Yeah, I've watched it. Not yet. I had, like, five recorded, and finally I was like, okay, I'm going to sit here and watch some of this. It's unwatchable. It's just I'm, I love I'm, I love Kevin Smith. I love Greg Grunberg. The show, the <clears> way it is uh, diced up into segments, and it's got with the rock music and the quick editing and stuff. It's so aggravating the way they do it. It's 
it basically it's pointless. The entire show is pointless. They spend so little doing something else. They spend so little time on whatever they're covering on that episode that it's just. There was one, you know, Kevin Smith's interview talking to Matt Damon about, you know, who'd you play in the DC thing? And you know, the camera's like, well, I think I might play Green Arrow, you know, Green Arrow picture from DC Comics right right there. It's just whoever's editing it. He's on the editing bay or whatever. It's just, this is clever. It feels like insulting to your intelligence. You think he's being clever. Yeah. And they do little jokey things. And I, I like, I mean, I, I love those guys, but the show you just have need to, to listen fight. to it. Don't watch it. I'd rather listen to them on a podcast talk for an hour about stuff than watch this overly produced dreck. You know what I'm saying? So anyway. Uh, speaking of, oh, speaking of the podcast, uh, sorry there, uh, but uh, do you regularly listen to some podcasts? Uh, I do at times. I haven't in a while. I get into okay, well, things where I will for a while and then I'll drop off. Well, speaking of the subject matter, uh, they uh, some of the episode, two of the episodes they recently posted were of uh, Kevin Smith and Ed- Andy McElfresh covering on the Opie and Jim uh, Sirius XM internet show. I listened to that. And before. yeah, on the second episode, they brought in Greg Grunberg, I believe is his name. Yep. And they talked for like a little over two hours, and it was actually a fantastic show. They. They had some uh, – Grunberg had some really great Joel Silver anecdotes. So that, that may be something – that may be something uh, that we we would actually like to be listening to rather than Definitely. apparently what it, what it is that Geekin' Out is trying yeah, to I didn't get uh, to hear all of show. it. Basically, Kevin Smith was filling in for uh, Opie and uh, Jim Norton. Uh, yeah. And, you know, he did a radio show with Greg Grunberg, and they're just talking the whole time, and it was great. It was very entertaining. Yeah. And then, you know, get this show. It's basically 22 minutes with commercials. Right. And it's just so in and out of each segment so fast. They had the two of the kids from Stranger Things on there. And they're trying to talk to me. Hey, you know, what was it like to be on this show? Oh, the lights are flickering. And they're like, oh. And they're kind of looking around. I'm like, guys, shut up. Just chill out. Stop. Stop trying to be funny or whatever. And ask your stupid questions, okay? Just stop. And, you know, uh, it's just too much. It's overproduced. So anyway, <laughs> here's what this douche nozzle Robert Kirkman says. I know how I want to end The Walking Dead, the book, but I can't tell anyone because I don't want it on the show before I get it to it in the comic. So if the show were to ever end ever at any point and the comic was still going, I would have to sit down with Scott Gimple. Yeah, like he's going to still be the producer when you get there. You're going to fire him asshole and pretend that i have no idea how to end it and work with him to try and come up with a new ending i hate this guy so much our game of thrones analogy is deliberate as kirkman's i didn't read that part so he said uh, oh they say basically kirkman's quote above is in line with his prior thoughts against george rr martin allowing hbo to present certain literary twists earlier than the actual published work I would never do that. That's one thing I'm disappointed in George R. R. Martin for doing. He should have just been like, F you, you make it up now. I'll get to mine when I'm ready. We're authors. I'm right on the level with George R. R. Martin. Is no, basically what you're <laughs> No, you're not. You're not. <laughs> oh, by and the he way, doesn't know that. Martin uh wait, Martin would later apologize for using the word disappointed, but whenever the Walking Dead calls it No no no. 
They, oh my God, you have a typo in your story, you dumbass. Robert <laughs> Kirkman would later apologize for using the word disappointed. So he's a pussy too. He doesn't stand by his words. Okay, let's move on. Uh, Foggy, do we have a bomb sound? Anything like that? Hello. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not, Edna. Not Edna. Come on. What the hell? There we go. Okay, final last story. Sorry, guys. I get real fired up. By the way, you're geeking out, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm geeking out here. Leo Getz is a hacker. Steven. It's no. a great idea, isn't it? Yes. Stop. I'm, Matt Miller is on Twitter. Do not think I'm not going to tweet him that idea. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> <laughs> guys, The Tick gets a full series order at Amazon. Did you guys watch the pilot? Yes, I did. Did you, Adam? I have not. I have not yet. Oh, boo, Adam. Come on. Why haven't you watched it? <laughs> boo. Right, Steven? Boo. Yeah, you want to bring Leo Getz back in two shows, but I'm the loser here. <laughs> Amazon's latest round of tryouts for pilots hoping to land a series is over, and Ben Edlin's Ben Edlin's revival of The Tick has won a full season order. The company announced today that The Tick, whose pilots have been viewed more than 15,000 times, that's not really that, that big a number, uh, since it became available last month, would receive a 10-episode full season. The show will be available exclusively for Amazon Prime subscribers in the United States, England, Japan. Oh, we're doing this again? But Amazon has not confirmed whether it will be earlier in the year or later. The show stars Peter Serafinowicz. Guardians of the Galaxy, it has in parentheses. <laughs> oh, that's who that is? Oh, yeah. As the iconic blue-eared superhero and Griffin Newman as Arthur Everest, the Tick's loyal sidekick. The show is based on Edlin's cold hit of the same name, and the Amazon series marks the third time a television series centering on the character has been made. Unlike the previous Tick series that aired on Fox between the late 90s and early aughts, the new series is far more dramatic than it is satirical. In an interview with Polygon, Edlin said that he wanted to focus on the human drama and relationships that the Tick and Arthur develop instead of just making it a comedy. The Ticks pilot is currently available to stream right now, Adam, along with other pilots from Amazon's <laughs> class of 2016. <laughs> you know, it's very interesting. I will say this about the pilot, or I can't say anything because I don't want to spoil it for Adam. Can I? I don't know what you're going to say. So, go, ahead. go ahead. Go ahead. Did you read the comics, Adam? No, but, you know, just go ahead. <laughs> the pilot seems like the Tick is from Arthur's imagination or his id or something. Didn't it seem like they were kind of teasing that in a way? Maybe. Like he was somehow manifested from him? Do you think? I don't know. Okay. Uh, I have to go back and rewatch it now. <laughs> oh, you think I'm crazy, eyes. so okay. <laughs> By the way, okay, you guys, that was the news, but do you guys mind if we do a, a, a segment real quick? It's called... Let's read comments on IMDb. I've, I do this all the time. Whenever you guys watch a movie on TV, like right. you're watching it, I'm going to see what some douche nozzle said on IMDb about this movie. You can usually find three really good stupid questions. Well, tonight, let's do Lethal Weapon. <laughs> the new let's show do on Fox. Lethal Weapon. 
That's right. Let's do lethal weapon. As long as I ask, where's Leo gets in one of these questions? Oh my god! Oh yeah! God damn it! <laughs> That's good. Let's do lethal weapon. Oh, she just said do regular. Why did she say it weird last week? Okay, let's see comments. Nobody asked for this. Somebody says, "Why make?" <laughs> Why remake Lethal Weapon? Everything that is good about the movies are Dickie Donner, Shane Black. I like how he calls him Dickie Donner. <laughs> Shane Black, Mel Gibson, Danny Glover, and Eric Clapton. This garbage has none of the, the above. They easily could have made a decent buddy cop drama comedy, but they chose to use Lethal Weapon. God forbid they have to cast someone as Leo gets in the future. <laughs> I love that. Wrote Wait this. a second. Did Adam Sexton write this post? <laughs> no. Who wrote this? Some guy called the Underwin. And let's see. Oh, somebody shit. said, it seems like these writers, producers, etc., are running out of ideas and they're remaking 80 stuff. Well, what a great comment they're adding to the... How insightful. <laughs> How insightful. <laughs> uh, here's another... Hey, Wait. on to something, guys. Rush Hour got it wrong. Lethal Weapon got it right. Well oh. written, great acting, visually fantastic. Is it the film? No. Is it trying to be the film? No. And somewhat, here's the follow up to that comment. Another studio plant. Stop lying. This is garbage, just like Rush Hour. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can replace Gibson and Glover, simpleton. And someone says, why are you going around calling strangers plants? Are you ever right? And the show is great. What R Rush Hour did wrong was introducing the characters the same way the film did. They should have skipped over that and just focused on them being already working together. Okay. This is fun so far. Do you guys like this? <laughs> okay. Going. Here's a, here's another comment on IMDb comments. Damon Wayans doesn't seem old enough. I know Damon Wayans is like 56, but Danny Glover seemed older in the movies. Wrong casting, in my humble opinion. And why he has to be the comic relief. And why he has to be the comic relief. That's an actual sentence, Stephen. Uh -huh. Why his why his cardio watch bips at random values. Why put a newborn in Murtaugh family. Why can't you speak in complete sentences? <laughs> Wayne's character is a major turnoff for me. I don't like black people. Whoa! Oh. It doesn't Now we it. get to the heart of the matter. <laughs> Someone says, now tell us what turns you on. <laughs> Someone says, Danny Glover was 40 in the first Lethal Weapon. Maybe you were a lot younger. He, Wayans, is a comedian. It beeps when his heart rate increases. Okay? I feel like Damon is too funny for the role. From what I remember, Danny Glover was kind of uptight. So is Dan... What? Oh, shut up. Okay, moving on. He's trying to play more of a straight man <laughs> role, but I mean, still, whatever. A few minutes in, and he's asking his wife for a BJ? When will these networks learn what is inappropriate for primetime? Might have been a good show, but I do not like raunchy. Will not watch again. Wow. Over a BJ comment. Yeah, and somebody else says, you don't you don't see anything. Plus, it's a show based on a violent movie series. A bunch of people die in the first 15 minutes, and that doesn't offend you? 
but a BJ. Kill people left and right, but God forbid the imp- forbid the imply sex that you don't see because nothing happened. And someone said, and it's marital sex. On top of that, people need to get a grip. <laughs> uh, here's another one. I'm not sure the marriage part matters that much these days. I suspect that there would have been a national outrage if this had been two homosexuals who were married and one asked his husband for a BJ. Truth be told, network TV is pulling lower and lower numbers with each year that passes. The lower the numbers, the less revenue, the less profits, and the less to invest in new shows. If I were a Fox exec, I'd be strongly making the case the rules have to be a little loser I think he means looser. It's so funny. People usually write the word looser when they mean loser, but he means the word looser, loser. and he wrote the word loser. loser. Yeah, or they mean loser, but they write looser and whatever. A little looser as the rules. <laughs> I can't read anymore. Oh, my God. It's conspiracy it's a- nut ramblings. Uh, here's another one. This is by Hey Girl 215 I like it. Surprisingly, the fact that I like it scares me because everything I like gets canceled. And another person it's says, "It's going to get canceled." Then I know what it, I know exactly what you mean. Fox has a habit of canceling great shows. Don't please don't mention Firefly. Come on, guys, you got to get over it. It's been long enough. Am I right? Thirteen, fourteen years, whatever. <laughs> it's been a long time, but they still do that. Oh, here's another one. How is this garbage rated? Seven point four. Studio plant. There's another person. So I'm saying Fox, they have people they put the on the payroll to do. Go get on IMDb right now and write some trolls. positive reviews. <clears throat> wow. That's First crazy. IMDb, the next day, the world. Yes. Okay, here's, here's the final one. I'm sorry, I got to read this. The top secret weapon in the episode two. Okay, this post is meaningless to anyone but gun owners, so give it a pass if that is not you. The MG-10, made by the fictitious Stonehill from San Diego, is really a Select Fire FNF-2000 assault rifle, the civilian legal semi-auto supported sporter version is called the fn fs 2000 it's a short design it's short design is very specific and is in the bullpup category of rifles it shoots the nato 5.56 millimeter round the same as our m16 the 5.56 millimeter round is not all that powerful in terms of damage compared to world war ii guns that shot 30 caliber rifle rounds but enough or one or two placed <laughs> shots and the bad guy won't be too happy Yes, a semi-auto is called a sporter, not an assault weapon. The media made up that term. Oh, here we go. The media! The media! Wow, this guy, he's writing about guns because he's... uh, Okay, I I lied. One more. Mick G has the magic touch. Everything he touches turns to crap. That's what the person said. So that's the end of our segment. Let's read IMDb. Did you guys like that? Yes. Is everyone yes. sane? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Except for the Leo Getz guy. You guys need yeah, <laughs> for that guy. You guys need to totally when next time you're watching a movie, a show, I don't care what it is, you're watching Tron, you're watching uh scanners or something, go I'm gonna go to IMDB and read the first stupid comment I see out loud and you will be so entertained. 
one more segment. Adam, can you stay with us? Are you still with oh, us? Oh, yeah. How would you guys I'm like to? You. Let's read Rotten Tomatoes. Okay. Today, uh, Miss Peregrines, Peregrines, Home for Spectacular Children. That's not what it's called. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children came out. It's currently a 64% fresh, 88 fresh reviews, 50 rotten, Steven. And by the way, uh, uh, before we get into this, uh, there was a story that hit the news today uh, that's very serious that we cover. The Verge reports, which you guys know is a good thing. Tim Burton's latest film doesn't just lack diversity, it lacks personality. I don't know if you guys have heard this, but somebody asked Tim Burton why black people aren't in his movies. <laughs> On Thursday, a minor shockwave went through social media as Bustle published, uh, whatever Bustle is, published a short piece quoting director Tim Burton in conjunction with his new film, Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children. I think it should be Spectacular Children. I just want to say spectacular, you know. But they're peculiar, aren't they? Right. Associate Entertainment Editor Rachel Simon apparently asked Burton why his films... 36 of them to date focus almost exclusively on white characters. There's an invisible kid. How do you know he's not black? <laughs> His dismissive <laughs> response, weirdly enough, had virtually nothing to do with the modern world or even the specifics of casting or conceiving his own films. He flashed back to his childhood annoyance over the Brady Bunch adding an Asian child and a black as he said, and praised himself for not demanding that exploitation films should include more white people. Things either call for things or they don't, he said. That's such a broad and indeterminate statement that it could mean almost anything, but in context, it seems to translate to, my movies don't have any specific call for non-white people. Burton is certainly under no obligation to cast non-white characters in his films, but his comments to bustle... Again, a news magazine that I read all the time, Stephen, or website, aren't startling because he's defending his casting. They're startling because they show such a profound disconnect from both the issue of diversity and the modern world as a whole. Miss Peregrine is Burton's first film with a black actor in a leading role, Samuel L. Jackson. He plays the villain, a chipper, urbane, eyeball-eating monster named Baron. Burton certainly, oh, spoiler, Burton certainly wouldn't have pointed Simon to the film he was promoting. And he called it evidence that he's aware of his racial homogeneity, the quality or state of being homogenous. See, I knew that. And taking steps to combat it. Or he could have pointed out that some of those most famous movies that take place in the self-aware parodies of the 1950s suburbia, where pervasive whiteness is part of the joke. Others are set in high-gloss fantasy. Come on, couldn't Edward Scissorhands have had a black friend? Maybe there was. Did you? You know, know? wait, wasn't it? Billy D. Williams was Harvey Dent in Batman, the Michael mm -hmm. Keaton Batman. Christopher Nolan he cast Aaron Eckhart, white guy is Harvey Dent. Who's the racist now? <laughs> Am I right? Yep, that's what I'd say. I think Adam hung up on us. <laughs> no. <laughs> So anyway, let's read a review. Pete Travers, what did he think of Miss Peregrine? He loved it. Oh, sweet Jesus. He gave it a tomato, which means it's good. The film feels overstuffed with Tim Burton repeating tricks from his greatest hits. Think Beetlejuice and Edward Scissorhands. But stick with it just for those times when Burton flies high on his own peculiar genius. 
He oh. said peculiar in the review. Did you catch that, Stephen? Yes. And uh, here we go. Rocky Mer- Mercandani. Mercandani. Rocky Mercandani says, Tim Burton is on a macabre <laughs> message in his latest offering. Miss Peregrine's Home for Peculiar Children, an adaptation of Ransom Riggs' popular trilogy. That doesn't... That, how's that? He didn't tell me anything there. What kind of quote is that? Let's see what Chris Clemick feels about it. Let's see how Chris Clemick feels about it on NPR. Thanks. The result feels like a less, uh, like a thoughtfully conceived franchise star than a picture that was rushed out of the editing suite prematurely. I give it nothing. I hate it. Okay. Peter <laughs> Rayner of the Christian Science Monitor says, to me, Burton's movies always seem a full grade too grotesque for the whimsical stories he is trying to tell. At least in Miss Peregrine, his ghastliness fits the fable. Although, even at its best, it's fairly generic, Burton. <laughs> what do you think of that uh, review there, Adam? Well, I don't know. I, I have very little interest in this movie to begin with, so I can't, I can't feel too strongly about whether or not someone's praising it or someone's hating it or someone just falls in the middle and just calls it mediocre. That, that's how I kind of feel about most Tim Burton, about a lot of Tim Burton movies of recent times. My favorite Tim Burton movie is Ed Wood. Actually, Big Fish is my favorite. Yeah, you've talked about that before. That's the movie that makes you cry every time yes. you see it. Now, I found a do- every time. I found a reviewer, you said every time. The first time I saw it. The waterworks. It choked me up. The, the, <laughs> it chokes me up, but it. I got teary-eyed the first time. I found a critic... Okay to cry, Stephen. <laughs> I found a critic that uh, Adam might be able to identify with, because this critic's name is Adam. Oh, yeah. That, that, that was just... <laughs> In the past, Burton has shown he does peculiar better than anybody. This time around... His touch is as useless as a mouth in the back of your head. <laughs> Adam Graham, Detroit News. I'll see you guys later, and I'm out of here. And there he goes. Okay. <laughs> I hope you identified with that, Adam. It's another Adam. Yeah, I sure did. I share <laughs> all like opinions of other Jasons, right? Um, What is Masterminds? Oh, no, no. Deepwater Horizon. The new Mark Wahlberg movie. You got You want to see that, right, Adam? It's about in the theaters right now, but I don't know. Adam, there's somebody at your front door. So let me in the freaking house! Oh! <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> Go let him in. You gonna let him in? <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, Deep Water Horizon is directed by Peter Berg. We all know who Peter Berg is, right? The film stars Kurt Russell, Mark Wahlberg, Kate Hudson, John Malkovich... Ethan Suplee, come on, we know who Ethan Suplee is, right? He's friggin' uh, Willem. Willem. There is no Easter Bunny! That's right, there's no Easter Bunny. Let's see what Pete Travers thinks (laughs) of Deepwater Horizon. Oh my god. The film depicts the worst oil spill in American history. And director Peter Berg recreates the cataclysm of that day with unbearable tension and healing compassion. Stay tuned for the credits with a cover of David Bowie's Heroes. Oh, 
No. No, well, that's he's his already own. done that. <laughs> <laughs> I made it up. <laughs> but still, oh, all his movies, he could end up with that. The Peter Gabriel cover. Yeah. I... I don't know the lyrics. You can't help but marvel at the time. <laughs> the filmmakers walk, honoring their courage and sacrifice while making an action flick entertaining enough to justify more than $100 million it took to make it come alive on screen. Bob Mondello NPR. Wow. Good job. Let's get a woman's perspective of the film. This is from Amy Nicholson of MTV. Oh, credibility oh. just went out the window, lady. Berg and Wahlberg were among the first to realize you can make big money in Hollywood's fastest-growing niche, the Dockbuster, which spins a recent disaster into a bombastic action flick. Give it 50,000 stars. Wow, she loved it, Steven. She did a great job. She must have loved... Uh, she's she's going places. Scully, too. Yeah, I'm trying to find an Adam who reviewed this. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why? <laughs> Let's find a bad review. Gary Walcott of the Tri-City Herald says, Deep subject. Shallow movie. It's such a waste of great action movie actors. I give it nothing. I'm out of here. Wow. Why do they always have to mention that they're leaving, Stephen, after their review? Um, they, they leave the movie early. <laughs> they're, they, they, they're, they're done. They're leaving the theater. Do they give the review? I'd like to see that movie critics who just tweet their reviews and then they leave the theater. That's it. Neil Rosen of NY1 TV. Uh, everybody knows what that is. Judge Strictly is a big budget action film. We've seen it all before in dozens of other movies and it's boring and uninvolving. I'm done. Okay. <laughs> Anders Wright of San Diego says, It's certainly worthwhile to tell the story of these people. After all, they all caught on fire and died. But you can't help but feel oh, that there's Bruce, something... Spoiler! Spoiler alert! <laughs> you can't help but feel there's something missing from the narrative. Because there is. Ooh. Jeffrey Lyles of Lyles Movie Files. Oh, my God. <laughs> an awkward attempt at retrofitting an actual tragedy onto the standard Hollywood disaster movie. But do stay for the end credits. Great Peter Gabriel cover. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, let's see. Rehashing that, that Peter Berg. John Wirt says... Peter Berg directs the calamitous spectacle in a mesmerizing style. The movie delivers a spellbinding, heart-rending story about the human cost of the catastrophe. <sighs> Ooh, that's pretty good. I like the ones that have a lot of words, you know, just like jamming <laughs> all together. Peter Bradshaw says Wahlberg doesn't act. He just projects himself, and his naturalness makes a cool counterpoint to Russell's glowering integrity and Malkovich's lip-pursing villainy. It's nail-biting stuff. Wow. There is no Easter Bunny! I know. What about Ethan Suplee? <laughs> yeah, nothing. no praise <laughs> for him. Okay, finally, Joe Mor Morgenstern of the Wall Street Journal. We all read his reviews every week, right? Yes. Adam? You've uh, frequently bookmarked a few of his reviews, right? Who? <laughs> <laughs> it's ultimately a genre film with all that implies meaning omissions, simplifications, conventional heroics, dramatic banalities, and given the narrative's limited scope, little sense of the event's complex causes or its environmental costs. 
Oh, he wanted, I hated this movie more than the, I hated. He wanted a movie about the cleanup afterwards. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh wait, there's one more guy. It may not be an Adam, but it's an Andy. Andy Crump. I like this guy's name. He gives it a rotten rating, and he says the film's technique isn't or shouldn't be at issue. It's the substance surrounding the tension that lessens Deepwater Horizon's impact as a narrative. I'm a pretentious bastard. <laughs> he gives it a 5.4 out of 10. Well, that's not so bad, right? You can have an ad- that's not rotten, is it? Yeah. I mean, a 5.4, that's more than average. It's mediocre. So rotten would be like less, mediocre. less than average, right? Hey, Adam, does A.O. Scott's A stand for Adam? Do you know? I don't know. I think it does. Let's just say it does. The anger and grief you feel leaving the theater constitute a kind of catharsis, a modest symbolic compensation for the failure of justice in the real world. This is some deep shit. I give it 400 stars. Wow. (laughs) How about that? This is a deep shit. (laughs) This is a deep shit. Okay, one more. I got to read a review of a guy who spells his name Dan with two N's. D-A-N-N. Dan Geyer of the Chicago Daily Herald says, Berg pushes the action to breakneck speed to cover for a lot of dramatic deficits and a more detailed exploration of why the Deepwater Horizon disaster occurred, not just physically, how it happened. But that uh, end song will get you in the end. There will be tears shed. (laughs) David Bowie's Heroes, covered by... by And Leo Getz shows up. Peter Gabriel. (laughs) Leo Getz steals the show in this disaster flick. Oh, wow! How cool is that? He's a hacker that causes the BP oil spill. (laughs) Yeah. You guys want to get out of this fire? Whatever you want, Leo gets. I'm getting you out of here. It's like, hey, he saved everybody. I'm so glad Joe Pesci came out of retirement for this. Aren't you guys? Yes. Fantastic. So uh, let's Who see. Says Leo gets has to be a girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> it could be a girl. Oh, yeah. They cast a girl. Um, okay. One more thing. The Phantasm Remastered is coming out. Uh, I don't know if nice. it's going to be in theaters, will it? Probably limited. The ball is back. The remastered original classic that started it all in which two brothers discover their local mortuary hides a legion of hooded killer dwarves, a flying drill ball, and the demonic mortician who enslaves I love Phantasm. It's such a uh, ridiculous movie, isn't it? Steven? Yeah, didn't we? It is. Midget swirling inside there. We released it once. I remember making my dad sit through Phantasm. City, City View? Didn't you and I go see it there? What? Phantasm, when they re-released it. No, I don't think so. Maybe Phantasm 2 you're thinking of? Maybe. Phantasm 2. I remember showing my dad Phantasm, a rental from Blockbuster or whatever, and the part where the ball hits the guy in the head, and you know he can't pull it out, and the drill goes... And then it starts shooting blood out the yeah. back just for a long time. He's like, yeah. ah! And my dad was going, this movie's ridiculous. <laughs> was, I was on the floor laughing because it's so ridiculous. It's a ridiculous movie, but it's one of those, oh, man, it's so bad. It's fun to watch, isn't it? Yeah, it's... it's. I would watch it again. It's yeah. almost on the level of Manos. 
I like the second one oh, where they take it's better than that. <laughs> yeah, I, I said on. On the, on, almost. The best I mean... part of the second one though is when he takes two double barrel shotguns, welds them together, four barrel shotgun. <laughs> Quadruple barrel shotgun is awesome. Well, guys, that is our show this evening. I have no more news. Uh, what was your favorite segment, Stephen? Did you like uh, reading the uh, IMDb? Yes. Uh, Adam, next time I talk to you, I want to hear who you would cast as the new Leo Guess. <laughs> it's the same answer. <laughs> Adam, I want to thank you for joining us tonight on ETL News. Thank you for inviting me. It was awesome. Steven, thank you once again for joining me. Thank you. ETL News, guys. It's a blast. Thank you, Adam. If you guys would thank like you, to, Steven. go to thejstrom.com. There you can find all of our previous shows. Well, you know, a lot of the old ones. I'm, oh, my God. What is it? It's today's September 30th. I need to load up as many shows as I can before tomorrow because my bandwidth resets. So I can fill up all the bandwidth I have for the month. Yeah. And then tomorrow it'll be back to zero. <laughs> That's how I've been doing the the archive, like okay. every month. Like at the end of every month, I'm like, yeah. okay, let's yeah. see if I can get 10 Four shows. left or whatever. Yeah, so I need to do that tonight. But guys, if you would like to become a patron of the show, go to patreon.com slash landfill. I'd very much like that. Uh, it would be awesome. And you will gain access to Dead Ahead. A uh, audio novel that I'm putting out one chapter at a time, but only patrons are able to listen to it at this time. And I probably won't even, nobody else will be able to hear this until I'm finished, probably. I've decided not until the whole thing is done will I release it besides patrons. So, Adam, does that make you feel special? It does. So only patrons can listen to it at this time, and I want people to listen to it, but I just want it to be something special for patrons. So I want to thank all my patrons out there for patronizing the show. And Steven patronizes me all the time. We should stop that, Steven. You know. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. So just remember, before we go, whatever you want, Leo gets, right? Right. What are you guys waiting for? Go play some video games. Go watch some TV shows like Lethal Weapon. Go see Miss Peregrine's uh, School of White Kids Only. And we'll <laughs> see you next time. Woohoo! I personally would cast Eddie Deason as the new Leo Getz. He's a really funny guy and would probably annoy the shit out of Adam Sexton. But that's just my two cents and I am out of here. Now this is podcasting.
like dolphins can swim Though nothing will keep us together We can beat them forever and ever How we can be heroes Just for one day How we can be heroes Just for one day Many Bothans died in the making of this podcast Just listen to this music This is some heavy shit Bring on the gravitas Is anyone crying yet? Peter Gabriel, you go mofo. And you, you will be queen. Though nothing 